This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are talking about how to deal with Christian jargon. I was, trying, I, was, I was saying it in my head, de-Christian jargon, but I don't think that's a phrase. So how do we, how do we deal with Christian jargon or, or the, the phrases that we're so used to as Christians using and saying and dropping in and using in conversation and using in prayer when we are aware that that might be confusing to our children, it may sound weird to them. How do we uh, help our kids grow in their understanding of scripture and of how to pray when we're aware that some of the phrases we use are a bit unusual for them? Uh, we're going to be answering a question about uh, how do I get church to do this stuff? If we're parents, sometimes we're like, oh, I'd like church to do this, but I don't know how to get them to do it. And so we'll talk about some next steps for that. And we'll listen to our final section of uh, the dad panel from the uh, Color and Shape organization, uh, listening to them about what do Christian fathers need uh, and their personal reflections on that. So uh, that's today's podcast. Oh, just a little flag. I'm waving. Oh, let me, I'm waving. That's the sound. Oh, flags don't make sounds when they wave, but I am waving <laughs> a flag. Uh, Note, 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 everybody, uh, we are taking the month of August off because uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be going on holiday and that would be amazing. And I'm hoping you're on holiday too. And so we just thought rather than make you feel like you're behind or uh, try to feel like uh, you need to keep catching up with that, we decided we'll just take a month off of the podcast and uh, give us a break, give you a chance to go back and re-listen to ones you want to listen to, uh, to go back and trawl through and find the ones that you haven't quite gotten to. I think we're on episode 118 now, so uh, there will be very few of you who've listened to all of them. And if you are, I want to be able to personally email you a gold star. Uh, Not email you. I wish I could send it in a post, like a little achievement thing. That'd be great. I can hear the sound of my... (laughs) My team, their hearts dying inside as I now suggest a sticker scheme (laughs) that we send out to everybody. I'll bail. I'll bail on it. But just so you know, August will be taking off for that. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to start having a a series of conversations uh, with people uh, to really delve into some big topics. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, And so uh, please take the summer to trawl through the past and catch up with the things. Um, But first, I wanted to talk about this. It was actually a question that came in. uh, And normally we handle things, things in the question sections. But technically, according to my team, the question sections are supposed to be super short. And I know if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I I rarely obey that very well, but (laughs) I do try. But this question came in and I thought it was an interesting one to sort of launch a a bigger conversation about this. And so uh, this is the question. I've been taught about the power of praying the protection of the blood of the lamb over ourselves situations and believe that is powerful. However, I don't often pray it even with other Christians or with my children or youth group as it sounds a bit strange. How does this kind of language fit with chatting, chat and catch? I also believe in praying the name of Jesus over situations. And again, wondering how you do this in an accessible way with children without using too much Christian lingo. That's hard to understand. My children are two and four, but I'm also a youth worker. I'm going to apologize now. You may have just heard a sound of a big truck outside. 
uh, that's because it's 29 degrees today. It's a hot day, and I have all the windows open, and I'm not willing to sweat that much to close them. So I apologize for any traffic sound you hear. Um, so it's a great question. You know, th- this this um, this question comes from someone with a particular churchmanship, with a ch- particular background. And what I love about working with churches of all denominations that I get to work with is every <laughs> denomination has Christian phrases that they use, that they love praying, that they find really powerful in how they express themselves to God and powerful in how they pray and how they discuss who God is. And so what I wanted to do was just take a step back from the specific question and just highlight that I think this is a question that we should all be asking ourselves because often we as adults very easily go into a pattern of prayer that we have gained and gleaned and picked up little bits from over an entire lifetime, depending on how long you've been a Christian, and sometimes even longer than you've been a Christian, based on what you've seen in movies and what the random person when you were six you heard pray. And we sort of bring it all together to this conglomeration. And what can happen sometimes is that it becomes this automatic shorthand that we use. We know what we mean when we say the word bless somebody, or we know what we mean when we pray the protection of the blood of the lamb over us. We, we know what we mean when we sort of fall into these shorthand phrases, but often our kids don't. And so it does sound sort of weird to them. And we can hear it coming out of our mouths going, when you put those words together, it doesn't, it doesn't quite make sense. And we can see their confusion in their faces. And I think it's really important, not only with children, but with people who are new to faith, that we get in a habit of learning how to pray the way that our hearts feel is right, while also creating space for people to understand, grow, and develop their own language with it. And so uh, I just wanted to, to say that, one, I think it's really important that kids understand what the phrases mean. And and because those phrases have come about for a reason. Sometimes they're directly from scripture. Sometimes it's because, you know, culturally that's that's how we use that language. When And think about it as vocabulary. When we're teaching our kids vocabulary, we instinctively know how to teach them new words. We show them what the new word is. We have them practice saying that word. We um, say, mm, this word means this. We try to define it for them. We use it in sentences. Uh, when they use it, we say, oh, that's an excellent word that you used. I like that. That's a very precise word and really helpful. It incorporates everything you wanted to say. We affirm it. Um, particularly in descriptive words, we try to help them describe it. It's We can describe the word fluffy, but until kids touch something that's fluffy, they don't quite get it. But once they touch something and we can say that is fluffy, then when they use it again, they, they have a, a body remembrance of that word as well as a brain remembrance of what that word means. And when we teach vocabulary to children, it's quite important that we give them experiences as well as descriptions. And that, to me, stands for when we're teaching children vocabulary that we use and concepts that we use in prayer and Christianity. Um, and so the first thing I would suggest is to say, I notice that when I pray, I really like using this phrase, whether it's bless, whether it's uh, using the name of Jesus in prayer, however you choose it, you can say, and I don't think I ever told you why. Have you ever wondered? That's a funny phrase to use. 
this is this is what it means to me when I pray this it's because and describe it you know describe what you feel scripture says about it describe what is happening inside your heart when you want to do that uh, and that really helps only describing it but talk about what it happens when I say this this is what happens inside of me when I say this I feel like this is what God does in response to it and you're explaining it so that their brain can understand what those short words mean because those short words stand for a whole bunch of bigger stuff that they understand it and you can say rather than saying all of the words i just told you i just use this phrase and that's what it means it's all of that oomph together in this word and that can be really helpful to them so that they understand what's happening and then as you go forward praying it over them around them with them uh, you can then use some of the phrasing to sort of do a comma sort of god i pray that you would bless nanny and granddad bring them all of the things that you have for them out of your goodness and then continue on you sort of do a it's sort of like if you ever watched Dora the Explorer, they use Spanish and then she sort of repeats the word in English and then continues on. And that's a way we can teach vocabulary. So feel free to, to use that after you've described it to then give them ways of rehooking into that when you use those phrases, particularly if you feel those phrases are important. And then give them ways of experiencing that. You know, if, if we're talking about blessing, if we're talking about praying the name of Jesus over that, to say when 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 I experience this kind of prayer, when someone prays this over me, this is what it feels like for me. When I pray this over you, what does it feel like for you? What do you think God is doing? So they can begin to tie those experiences together. You can tell stories of when people prayed those over you or when you when those phrases really encapsulate something that happened in your life so they can put it in context so that truth and experience are tied together. And uh, feel free to just to just drip along with that. That that while it is about explaining it, it doesn't mean that you don't have to use them. It just means that you need to help them not only understand it in their brain, but understand it in their experience, have it tied together with the truth of what's in scripture and the truth of what life is like in ordinary everyday life so that they know when to pray that and what to pray about that and how that looks when it works out in your everyday life. This idea of creating windows and framing for them so that they can pick it up or not pick it up and they can begin to listen to it, pay attention to what's happening in church and begin to understand the context that they're in. And that can be really helpful. And feel free to continue on that journey because it won't be the phrase, it won't just be the phrase that you notice, it'll be other phrases that you don't notice. So you may want to go on the journey of saying, I'm really aware that sometimes Christian use phrases and words that don't quite make sense straight away. And that's because there's a lot of, a lot of sort of not even code. Well, sometimes I describe it as code, but it's a, it's a, it's a way of taking a lot of information and putting it in a small amount of words. And that we find really helpful, but that can be confusing for people. And so um, I need to get better at not using phrases that are confusing, and I'm working on that too. But sometimes it's just about learning the new language, and that could be helpful as well. And so uh, let's go on a journey of that. Let's start a little journal. Let's have a piece of paper in my bag or your bag when we go to church. And you can write down any phrase that you think is confusing. I've known families who do this, and it's quite fun. They sort of uh, set down a phrase. They set down a paper, and they say, just for today, we're going to write down every phrase that is said from the front or said in songs or said in church from somebody else that we don't understand. And I've seen it's been it's been an actual gut punch when I see it from kids because it is like this sheet 
filled with words. And I think we overestimate children's understanding of all the Christian-y words we use. And on one hand, I think we need to get better at, at using the less Christian-y phrases so that they can understand everything. I think it's also about about helping them skill up so that we we become less jargony and they become more equipped in how to access everything uh, so that we sort of uh, meet in the middle because it's not just kids, it's new believers, it's people who are exploring faith and uh, we need to make this accessible to everybody. So I would suggest this pattern in your home groups and in your in your outreaches and in your church services of ways of constantly being aware of our jargon and talking about it with others. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, yes, that is our cornerstone from today. So for our question today, it's sort of a question that has been dribbling in. Is dribbling a word? It's a word. It's a word now. Dribbling in, which is we've mentioned a couple of resources casually throughout some of our Facebook lives and things. And uh, when are those coming out? So just a little update on the resources that are coming out for the summer. If you're hanging out and around and you think, oh, you know what? I could really use something to jump in and out of. This is what's coming. So we have released uh, something called 101 Conversation Starters to talk about God with. It's basically taking some of the questions to start an interesting conversation that comes at the end of these podcasts. And we wrote a chunk of new ones as well. And we swished them all together into a couple of sheets of questions that you can do, that you can throw in the car when you're driving around, that you can uh, do in the airplanes, you can do while you're hanging out, trapped in a house, while you're eating, uh, whatever, just conversation starters uh, that are interesting. We are quite intrigued by some of them uh, that we have added in. So enjoy that is available uh on our uh, check on our facebook page check on our website uh if you haven't signed up for our e- email uh, that's really helpful because then you get updates on when those things come out please do that uh, the other thing that uh, is coming out is a back to church pack we mentioned it on our uh, facebook live how to help your kids love church again uh and we uh have finished doing that now hurrah and so uh there's sort of two different ways you could do it Uh, really you can do it a thousand different ways because it's really up to you uh we're just here to serve you so we have one resource that is sort of a, a conversation starter i guess again except particularly around sorry it's super hot today I'm sure you heard the rumbling in the background. It's super hot today. It's 29 degrees inside my house and I'm melting. But this uh, this one is about helping your kids get back to church. And so on one hand, there's just a, a set of questions to talk about. If you have a teenager, if you have an older kid and you think going through a pack won't be helpful, there's just some questions to start the conversation about how you feel about going back to church and what's that like and things you might want to consider. Uh, the other thing that is being released is a church pack. Well, it's a, it's not a church pack. It's a pack for families to go through all about church. There's a page for different types of values about church, of, of really answering the why behind church. Why do we go to church? And how do we feel that, about that particular aspect of church? So it goes through, you know, feeling part of the body and being useful to the church. It talks through feeling loved by the church and loving others in church. It talks through connecting with God. And on each page, it gives a chance to reflect on what it, our experience was like in lockdown, what we're hoping will happen when we go back, and what are the things we're worried or 
stressed or unsure about going back and helps you make a plan for how to take your first steps in that. And there's five different values on that. There's also some conversation starters to use in that. And then there's also a progress sheet at the back, which just helps us not just have the conversation once, but will facilitate you and your family saying after multiple times of going to church, how's it going? And what are the good things that happened there today? And what were things that made me feel stressed? And how do I want to try it differently? So that it's a pack that you can continually come back to and talk with so that it sort of accompanies you on your journey of returning to church. So those are two resources that you might want to grab onto this summer because they are now available. Well, we've heard from uh, this panel of dads before, and we just love this uh, this group. And so we uh, have gotten to the final question that they're answering today. Um, this is a podcast that has come out of Color and Shape organization, a, a bunch of dads sitting around and talking. And uh, the question that uh, they're discussing now is, what do Christian fathers need? Enjoy. What do fathers need? I think fathers need... That's a hard question to answer, isn't it? I mean, in, in a way... You could write an endless list, couldn't you? I think fathers need, I think like Ben was saying earlier, I think fathers need to carve out space for that relationship of prayer to form. I think as a, as a kind of, you won't, like we were saying earlier, when you're sort of single or, or newly married or whatever, you can just find the time to pray or whatever. As a father, you really have, as a, a, a work of will, have to work in that time of prayer. Mm. Um, so I think fathers need to prioritise prayer um, above all things, almost. Oh, that really resonates with me. Um, Not something I achieve regularly, but <laughs> try and desire to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jim, I can see you next. Go on. Okay. okay. Uh, part of the masculinity thing that would be saying, I don't need anything. Okay, just leave me alone. I've got this. I'll cope. Um, yeah, and so say so wouldn't need sort of that slightly the space to be a father, um, just the 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 support of others um, is a big thing. I think just to go okay, let's let's just try this, let's go with it. We're going to try a new idea in night prayer. Let's see how that goes. Um, and and it's great. And I feel like I have got that. There, there is that like that old joke of. Um, what was the miracle of Jesus? It was having 12 good friends in his thirties. Yeah. There is that. I think when, when you're a father and you've got kids that you, it's, it's not lonely. There's a lot of company around. Um, but yeah, I think you, you can easily lose the feeling of having lots of other people just to bounce an idea around, you know, you're bouncing 10 nonsense ideas and, and one good one um, with a bunch of friends at the pub because you got the time, you can do that. Um, and you you sort of you lose that the time isn't there to do that and the, this isn't just fathers I'm sure this is mothers as well I should really say that um, <laughs> probably more so for mothers so uh, but they've always been I think women are often better at communicating and they see other people and you know they, they'll turn up to a new area Emily's great at this um, you know we, we'll move to a new area and I, I'm the extrovert I'll go out and talk to anyone I can and I know five years later you know I'll go to the pub and Three people might remember me if I tell them my name. Um, and Emily will actually come out with some great friends after five years. So, so she, women are so good at doing this, at bonding and just accepting each other. 
and I think it's it's harder for guys to do. I think it's harder for fathers to do. I think you're just aware that you've got this responsibility. Um, and, you know, it's fine. It's a good responsibility. It's a great responsibility. So what do we need is, um, yeah, it is that time for prayer, that time for reflection, um, and that, that kind of the, a little bit of a space just to go and be yourself in the context. Just go take some time. And sometimes that's in prayer. Sometimes that's just being with some other people that kind of get it. Um, yeah, I think actually I'd probably echo what what both of you said. Um, what the fathers need um, need prayer, need that, need other, need friendship with other dads um, who, are, who are in a similar state, who you know who who are going through similar things, so that you can you can talk and you can communicate. And because being a father is different from being a mother, so there's only so much you can talk about um, with your wife, and only so much. Um, that you can relate to to each other in, in that respect. Um, I think I think one of the things that's been really really useful as well is uh, one of these one of these parenting books that we were reading years ago and um, said that the most important relationship um, in your child's life um, is the relationship between their father and mother. I think that's a re- that was a really great principle that we took and, and really held on to. And um, so understanding that if you know, if my relationship with Katie is good, and sorry, if I if I stop investing in my relationship with Katie for the sake of the relationship with my children, actually I'm doing my children a disservice. Um, and so recognizing the primacy of that relationship over the relationship with children, and I think this is naturally more challenging for mothers and um, than it is for fathers um to, to to actually keep things in that order um just from conversations i've had with you know with friends yeah and so i think that just that just then creates a stability in the home and which then makes makes everything else easier at least in theory <laughs> yeah i'm not sure that anything is easy but then but then this isn't meant to be easy this is meant to be making us holy. Saint makers. Yeah. Is that what they're called? There isn't really a lot that I can I can add to it. I think I think um, I think there's a there's an aspect of humility which uh, I, I think I think fatherhood, you can kind of come into fatherhood with some really odd ideas. I know I certainly did, and I, I had to unlearn a few things myself. Um, um, and it can actually be it can be a a bit oppressive I think until you get under the skin of it I think it can be quite oppressive having to measure up to to God the Father and and I think sometimes we just need to cut ourselves a break and it is it is difficult um but look you know yeah that personal relationship with Jesus is so important the prayer time the humility carving out time for yourself you know that support network relationship with um, with your wife or partner. Um, do you think that St. Joseph had everything that we just said we need? Do you think St. Joseph had it? Well, what was, what was St. Joseph like with his mates? I guess, I guess you know, at least in, in, in Israel, you know, in that time, you probably, if you went off to Egypt for a couple of years and then you came back again, everyone would probably still be there. Or, and they'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah, we kept your place empty for you. We thought when, they, uh, when they lost Jesus at the, in the temple, 
they were traveling as a in a in a the scriptures as a caravan as in yes. a long collection so their assumption was jesus was with extended family whatever that looked like so presumably there were lots of networks of relationships yeah intrinsic to jewish society once again thank you very much uh great conversation um and would like to very much like to do it again sometime um perhaps not with the, the pressure of the recording but um, <laughs> um uh, uh thanks very much um and i'll see you on the app And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kids is this. What is some of the most confusing things Christians say? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.